was reminded that Jesus spoke in parables. He told stories so that people understood some of the points he was going to make. So I decided that I would use our story. And I want you to understand the journey that we've been on and to be assured that he, God, leads us through things for our own good. And to realize that if you accept that he knows best, you'll come out of the other side as the person he wants you to be. And that you'll be able to see the faithfulness of God to meet us where we are. So I've entitled my talk today, I Wish It Had Never Happened, But. So I'm starting it with the fall. For us, on the 27th of February, um, things changed. We were having, we decided to have our bathrooms refurbished. They'd not been refurbished for 27 years, so they needed doing. So we were having them refurbished. The house was a mess. John was in... Um, um, no, we'd planned that we did this refurbishing while John was around because I don't like dealing with builders so we planned John's a year around this little did I know how long he was going to be around um, but God has a bigger plan than what I had so I'm going to walk you through some of the things that happened and hopefully not take too long um, John was in a meeting, and um, he went upstairs for something while they had a break, and he fell down two stairs. Daniel and Hans, who were in the meeting, carried him down the stairs in immense pain. Um, I wasn't in the house, I was babysitting Caleb, and I got a call from Avril to say, you need to, and John's fallen. My initial thing was, well, tell him to get up. <laughs> Come on, be a man. But I gathered from the tone that she was using on the phone to me that perhaps it was a little bit more than a silly fall down the stairs. So she said, I'm coming to get you. I thought, oh, dear. What am I going to do with Caleb? So she arrives, brings someone with her, Caleb's left, distraught because his nana had left him. <laughs> and, and I went off with Avril, and as we drove down Abadour Road, I could see the um, paramedic's car outside the house. Okay, it's a little extreme for a fall down the stairs. Men, you know. Um, but John was in immense pain, and the, the paramedic gave him morphine, and that wasn't touching it. When the ambulance arrived, they gave gas and air. So he now knows, ladies, about gas and air. <laughs> I've never had it myself because I'm so strong. <laughs> but it was distressing to watch your husband in this amount of pain. And I remember going in and saying, what hurts? And I thought he said my neck, but he said his knee. And I'm thinking, his neck, oh my goodness, what's he done? 
You know, and all those thoughts start to go through your mind when you're in a situation like this. I think they decided that they needed to get me off the scene, so they told me to pack a bag. I think, why am I packing a bag? He's going to go to hospital, they'll sort him out, and he'll be home in a few hours. Why do I need to pack a bag? But obediently, I want you to know, I went and packed a bag. I since realised it was to get me off the scene. So um, the next, oh, I'll tell you a funny bit. When um, they had to carry John down the stairs, so they had to get all the builder's stuff out of the way, and Hans <laughs> and Daniel, it, we can laugh now, it wasn't funny at the time, they carried him down the stairs. Hans had got the top of him, John had got, um, Daniel had got the leg, trying not to cause any more pain. So they get into our family room where there's a sofa. <laughs> I can only imagine this because I wasn't there. Um, and so they try to put John on the sofa, but the only way they seem to be able to man <laughs> manage to do it was with hands sitting down with John on top. <laughs> So when the ambulance man arrived, he said, hmm, they look cosy, don't they? <laughs> it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. So the next time I see John, he's in A&E. And my, my big distress was that he, he didn't acknowledge me. And I, how could you not acknowledge me when, when I walk in? <laughs> He just stared like this. And I remember phoning him. I said, how come he won't talk to me? And I didn't realise that he was drugged. <laughs> <laughs> They'd pumped so much into him, he probably didn't even know who I was. <laughs> so we went through a process in Queen's A&E. And... They decided in the end that he'd ruptured his quadricep tendon, which when anybody who knows anything, when you tell them that, they go, oh, that's really painful. So I had to think, well, perhaps he wasn't making a fuss. Perhaps it did hurt. Um, so I left John in the hospital that night, and I went home. And during the night, I know that God dropped something in my heart. And he said to me, it's taken us by surprise, but it's not taken me. And you know, I hung on to that. When I got to see John the next morning, that was the only useful thing I felt I could say to him. There are no surprises to God. He knows. He knew what was going to happen on the 27th. I didn't know. I'd got my plan sorted out. We'd worked things around so John was going to be there. 
For little did we know, there was a bigger picture unfolding for us. So then we come to the fix. On the 29th, they operate on John. They couldn't do it the next day. Was it the 29th? Yes, the 29th they operated. Our first arch, okay. I'm very grateful for the care that John received in the hospital. When I saw him at midday, he was in plaster from his hip to his ankle, a very heavy plaster, because they needed to fix the tendon um, and it was paramount that he didn't move. I was very grateful that I knew that he was in God's hands and not in Queen's hospital hands. You know, we, we hear the news reports of our local hospital and those come back to mind when you've got a, a husband who's been taken in for some emergency operation. So we got through um, the hospital stage. John was very good. He was a very good patient. And um, he quite liked the morphine. And um, I used to see him, they used to give it in a syringe into his mouth and he would hold on to it so he got every little drop. It's a good job he's not an addict. Um, so we, we, he was discharged on the Monday and it, we went back home. He went back home in the back of a car because that's the only way he could travel. And we got him upstairs to our bedroom where he stayed for three weeks. During that time, Julio, if you remember, had his accident. And we were really able to empathise in a way that probably we wouldn't have done if we hadn't have been through just those hours before what John had been through. Then it made me think of people amongst us who have been carers, have cared for people. And, you know, there's, we need to understand what that's like when you care for someone. So for us, it's been an awakening of what it's like to be a carer. Then the next thing that was on our minds was we had a, a holiday booked in Florida. We'd booked it 11 months ago, and it was going to be in a month's time. Is it going to be on? Are we going? Are we not? Why did it have to happen now? These were some of the thoughts that went through my mind. Why could it not have been after the holiday he could have fallen? You know, we got our plans and, you know, 11 months we've been building up to this. Why couldn't it have been a break rather than a tendon? The break would have been fixed in a much shorter time. Not a very good thought pattern to go on. So we plodded along and then... Um, when our grandchildren, we would see our grandchildren, I couldn't even talk about Florida with them. I'm quite good at winding them up and getting them prepared for things. But I, couldn't, I just couldn't even enter into my head to talk to them because I thought, I don't know if we can even go. Can you imagine what it would have been like to wave them all off and John and I be at home? So two weeks we were seeing, in two weeks we were seeing the consultant and we thought, well, then the consultant will tell us if we could go or not. 
was it God or was it the consultant that decided what was going to happen? I felt I got to the position where I gave the holiday back to God and I said, I can't do anything about this, Lord. I'm giving it back to you. It's a bit like putting it on a, um, a, an offering, a sacrifice to God. I thought, I can't, I can't do it. I'm giving it back. So we saw the consultant. We told him about the holiday. He said, um, no, that's no problem. You can go. I'll whip that plaster off and put a brace on and you can go. We were very excited. I wasn't excited when he came in with the saw thing to take the plaster off. I shut my eyes to do that. Then the physio came in and affixed the brace, which was a, quite a skillful thing to do, to put it in the right position so it supported the right parts of John's knee. So that was all done. We came home very excited because we could fly. I could go on holiday in two weeks' time. I think it was that weekend. We, we had a, a weekend away with some of the leaders, and we were only just local. And um, I just realised what a mammoth job we were taking on to try and think of flying to America when it was pretty traumatic in this local hotel to deal with someone who's got a leg that can't move. There were so many limitations. But we believed that God had given us back our holiday, so we started to prepare. So then we get to the travel. The day of the... um, we travelled, we had to get flight stocks on John. I don't know if you ever, any, I never wear them myself, but so we've got to get this flight stock on this leg with this fixed, this, this brace. And one of the things the consultant said, you mustn't twist it and you mustn't lift it. How are we going to get this sock on? So Daniel was my hero again. He came in and we laid, John was laying on the bed and we undid the bottom of the brace, pulled the sock up, try not to move it, do that bit up, pull it up a bit more. His leg was swollen, the flight socks were quite tight and eventually we got it up and it was a sigh of relief when we got them up. I was too scared to do it but Daniel was bigger and braver, he did it. So, um, we had decided that there was no way John could fly economy with his leg. If you remember how his leg was stuck out, he'd never get an economy seat. So, we'd upgraded him to business, so we thought, oh, we'd be fine. So, he was in business, and us plebs were back in economy. (laughs) It was interesting being at an airport with a wheelchair and uh, this leg stuck out. Amazing how many people nearly trip up it. Um, and don't leave space for you to get through, but, you know, I think I'm more aware now of things like that. We did our best to put everything in place so that John could travel reasonably well. And then when we got to the gate to check in, the, the supervisor of the flight looked at John and said, I'm going to upgrade you to first. Wow! She said, you won't manage in business class. I'm so grateful that God had gone before us to prepare a way. We'd done what we could, 
but he, he did what we couldn't even see needed to be done. So John got upgraded and we were still back in economy. Jo um, they made arrangements for Jamie to be able to go backwards and forwards because he couldn't get comfortable. He had to have a little stool to put his foot on and go into the lower. I mean, there were many, many challenges that I could give you details off, off microphone. <laughs> God's provision for us was absolutely amazing. We got to um, the villa and it was just made for us in that when we didn't realise when we'd booked it 11 months before, but the owner was a wheelchair user. So there were many, many facilities for John at this time. I've gone and lost what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> um, Jamie, is it a song? Yeah. Um, I, I now want to play a song to you which ministered to me because it, it was like a prayer. I wasn't in the position where this song says, but this was my prayer at this time. So we're going to put the words up so you can listen to it.
settle in the dust. We've done Florida. We're back home. There was sort of a sigh when we got back home. It was lovely. But getting there and getting back was a real challenge for us. And now we had to think, what's life going to be like now? I'm very thankful that sometimes he doesn't show us the whole picture for our own good. I think if I'd have known then how things were going to be, I might have jumped off the journey because it's been pretty painful. There were things that we had to cope with, like when Jamie and Lucy moved and John wasn't able to do anything and I needed to be there to look after John. So as parents, you know what it's like. You want to be involved, but we couldn't. We had to just watch. John needed me for everything. He couldn't go to the loo on his own. He couldn't get in and out of bed on his own. He couldn't dress on his own. Everything had to be at arm's reach for him. He couldn't get out of the chair on his own. He couldn't get in the chair on his own. He couldn't get up and down the stairs. Does that give you a little bit of a picture of how things were for us? But remember what I knew God said to me. Nothing had caught him by surprise, although it had caught us by surprise. He knew. So then we start the physio. And they say, no pain, no gain. And that's what John experienced. As I said previously, they'd fixed the leg so that the tendon would heal. Now, the aim was to bend the leg. Not an easy thing to do. So they started off with giving John hourly exercises. And you know, an hour goes very quickly. This was a bit later on. <laughs> That's what it looked like after a little while. But initially, it was exercises at home before they let us use the gym at the hospital. Um, an hour, you know, goes very quick. When you do your exercises that take, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, you have a little break, cup of tea. Oh, the alarm's gone off. We need to do the exercises gone, but again. But John was very good, and he did his bit of an old sticker Stick at it, boy. <laughs> and he certainly did. I think at this point, it dawned on me, this wasn't going to be a fix, quick fix. We were in for the long haul here. And um, I think that gradually dawned on me. So John started going to the hospital gym every day, physio twice a week, hydro sessions once a week, and then they put in that he needed to go to a pool daily to do exercises. So I felt that I was just driving John round. He couldn't drive. I had to take him everywhere, do all the things that were needed for him to do those things. As you can imagine, it was hard for John not to be able to drive. That car sat on the driveway for a long time not being used, because I don't drive that tank of a thing. Um, 
I drive my little jazz. And you know, that was another provision of God because when we bought that jazz, I don't know how long ago it was, we never thought, can somebody get in here with a stiff leg? But you know, that's the only car he could get in initially with his leg in that outright position. He tried bigger cars, but he couldn't manage it. Isn't God amazing? He planned that I bought a Jazz. One of my sons calls it an old people's car, but it was good for his old dad. (laughs) God is good. So when I was doing all this driving around, uh, excuse me, listen to the preach. (laughs) So when I was um, driving around, I I listened to quite a lot of um, songs. And um, is it the next one there? No, it's not the next one. (laughs) No, that comes later. so with the physio, we um, learned to realise that there's pain when you're going through healing. And for you personally, in your walk, is there something that you need healing from? Is there pain that is being caused as you walk through this? We've talked about being doers and not just hearers of what God says. When John went to the physio, he could just hear what the physio had said, hear about the exercises he needed to do, and just gone home and forgotten it. (coughs) Or we could have said, oh, it was too painful last time, let's let's cancel that next appointment. But no, we had to make a decision to push through. The furnace experience is are experiences that develop each of us. So there may be things in your life that are developing you at this point in time. I think I've got a bit of muddle. <laughs> Sorry? Okay. That must come out of place. Sorry? Invisible wounds. So the next I'm going to do is invisible, visible wounds. At this point, we realised that um, there wasn't just physical things that we were going through, but there was an emotional and a spiritual onslaught. I, like many of you, have lent on John for many, many years. Suddenly, he needed to lean on us. He needed to lean on me. And I was reminded of that story where um, the man needed to get to Jesus and he couldn't do it. He had to be willing for his friends to lower him to Jesus. Are you prepared for your friends to be there to bring you to Jesus? I'm sure that man didn't choose that. He didn't want to be in a position where he couldn't walk. But he was willing and prepared. I'm very grateful for a community that we're in that cares. There were things like cleaning my house when the um, builders finished and cutting the grass each week. 
daily visits to give John injections, phone calls that people made, people asking about us, made us feel loved and cared for. And we're very grateful for the community that God's put us in. John missed his independence. And I, at the end of the day, found that I was very tired. And, but I often didn't sleep when I'd got to bed, or I'd sleep for a bit. And I'm going to play you this next song, which is one that God really ministered to me. It's called Master of the Wind. sails on a troubled sea ever there's a wind in my sails but I have a friend who watches over me when the breeze turns in
sometimes I would wake in the night and I think, oh, if only that song would get out of my head, I could get back to sleep. But I really feel that God was saying to me, he was the master. He was the one that was going to make the sun shine again. We need to be standing with each other in the chronic as well as in the crisis. We got over the initial, but life was going on, and things, some days, didn't feel as though we were getting any better. There was a slow eating away for, for me, and I think at times for John. It felt hopeless. Sometimes I felt quite sorry for myself. Everyone else's lives are moving on, and we're stuck here. It's not a fruitful thought pattern to go. And I had to keep bringing myself back to God has a plan and a purpose. When I would often be with Jamie, probably bemoaning my lot, he would often say to me, what can you thank God for? You know, at times, I could have smacked him. (laughs) I thought, I don't want to thank God at the moment. Look what I've got. But he was very persistent with me, and he would keep on. What are you thanking God for? And I had to bring myself, bring my mind, thoughts into captive, and start to thank God for the things that he had done for us and was doing. I had to thank him. I'm learning to thank him in all circumstances and to consider it all joy. The other thing that I'm learning is I, I want to be careful that I don't reach for the wrong side of God. Remember, Mark brought us that word about what are you grabbing? What are you after? I wanted the power. I wanted the miracles. I wanted God to do something that would change my circumstances. But maybe God was saying, look at the other side of me. You need to know patience. You need to know long-suffering. That's another side of God that isn't quite so readily wanted, but very necessary. Then, um, do the picture. This is a picture that Jamie sent me last year sometime. There were, it was early in the year, and there were lots of things that were worrying me. And it came back to me, this picture, when we were going through this thing again, with the scripture from Jeremiah 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your soul. And then another scripture was in Isaiah. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Can you see a theme that was coming back to me in these times? I want to be able to wait and get my strength renewed when I'm low. We have an unfinished story. There's no wheelchair. There's no crutches. John can drive his car. It has difficulty in parking it sometimes because he needs the door wide open to be able to get his leg out. 
We're not there yet. We've not arrived. He still sleeps sitting up. He can't lay down. He's still in discomfort when he bends that leg. We're not there yet. It's an unfinished story I'm sharing with you. As a community, we need to be seeing the unseen. We can't just look with our natural eyes. We need to be asking God to see what's going on behind situations. You know, people see John and say, oh, it's lovely, you're walking. But he's in pain. He still can't do many things. So as a community, we want to be seeing the unseen, getting God to reveal things to us that can help the people that we're committed to. Even without the drama of our situation, I'm sure that there are we can see that people have needs and we want to be Jesus to them. I want to personally be a seeing people, someone that sees what's going on, someone that's in tune with God so can be nudged and be Jesus to them. My conclusion is... Um, that God has a bigger picture for your life and for my life. I was doing some gardening, I don't do it very often, a few weeks ago, and I'd bought some plants, and I was very eager to put these plants in. But I knew I hadn't got all that I needed, because it was quite a big area that I needed to, to fill. But I just wanted to put these plants in. I wanted, to, wanted it to look pretty, so I planted them and then, I don't know, a few days later, bought some more plants. And guess what? I'd planted them in the wrong places. So what did I have to do? I had to dig them out and replant them. Are there adjustments that you are needing to make in your garden of life? Have you put things in that need to be removed to other places? Did you not wait? Were you like me? You got impatient. You wanted it looking pretty. Through our walk and trials, joys, sadnesses, we are being developed. And there's another song that I'd like to, you to listen to with me. It's called, My Redeemer is Faithful and True. As I look back on this road I've traveled, I see so many times He carried me through. If there's one thing that I've learned in my life, my Redeemer is faithful.
So remember, God has a bigger picture for your life. Whatever is going on, it isn't a surprise to him. We don't need to understand. We just need to trust him. He knows what's best. And he can make the sun to shine again. Oh, oh, I forgot. Oh, oh. Remember, I started off with, I wish it hadn't happened, but one day I will be glad it did. <laughs> 